0: Shalom Nishpochah. Welcome to this week's Kadima Talk. I want to share a little bit about competence. Competence is a quality or state of having sufficient knowledge, judgment, skills, or strength for a particular duty or assignment to complete a task. It's also possessing the legal authority to do something. And we have a profound example on this in Yehoshua, Joshua. And as I've shared before, Joshua, you know, and a lot of leadership Discussions and Kedema talks revolve around Moshe and Joshua. There's a lot of meat here, a lot of material for us to study and ponder. As I've shared before, Yehoshua Joshua was Moshe's loyal second-in-command for 40 years and a major figure in the events of Exodus and entering into the Promised Land. He was charged by Moses with selecting and commanding a militia group for their first battle after exiting Egypt against the Amalekites at Rephidim which Joshua led Israel to a victory. Yehoshua always accompanied Moses when he ascended Mount Sinai to communicate with God, to visualize God's plan for the Mishkan, the tabernacle, and receive the Ten Commandments. Yehoshua was with Moshe when he descended from the mountain and heard the Israelite celebrations around the golden calf and broke the tablets bearing the words of the commandments. When Moshe was summoned by Adonai to speak with him in the Mishkan, of the Ol moed uh, outside the camp, Yehoshua was always faithfully and loyally at the entrance, waiting for Moshe. Yehoshua was also one of the 12 spies sent by Moses to explore and report in the land of Canaan, and only he and Caleb gave an encouraging report. Adonai rewarded their trust and loyalty by allowing them to be the only two of their entire generation that would enter into the promised land, in Numbers 14. And again, after 40 years of internship under Moshe, Yehoshua Joshua got promoted. And Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9, Now it came about after the death of Moshe, the servant of Adonai, that Adonai spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, saying, My servant Moses is dead. So now arise, you and all these people cross over this Jordan to the land that I'm giving you, to them, to B'nai Yisrael, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I'm giving to you as I spoke to Moshe." From the wilderness in this Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moshe, so I will be with you, for I will not fail you or forsake you. Kazakh, be strong, for you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be very strong and resolute to observe diligently the Torah, which Moshe, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the Torah should not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will be successful. Have I not commanded you, chazak, be strong. Do not be terrified or dismayed, for Adonai, your God, is with you wherever you go." Now, chazak is a very interesting word. It means to be strong, to strengthen, to prevail, harden, to be strong, to become strong, to be courageous, to be firm, to grow firm, to be resolute, fear not, to overcome, <laughs> to be competent. Adonai appointed Joshua to secede Moses as leader of the Israel people, giving him the legal authority to perform and carry out God's divine will for the nation of Israel. Adonai also gave Joshua a blessing of invincibility during his lifetime and told him to be chazak, to be strong, courageous, resolute, to not fear, to be competent. Joshua got the job done, as scripture reveals. In Joshua 11, starting in verse 16, So Joshua captured all this land, the hill country, the Negev, all the land of Goshen, the lowland, the Arabah, the hill country of Israel and its lowland. From Mount Halak that ascends to Seir all the way to Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon at the foot of Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings, struck them down, and put them to death. For a long time Joshua made war with all those kings. But there was not a city that made peace with Bani Israel, the sons of Israel, except the Hivites who inhabited Gibeon. All the rest they took in battle. For it was of Adonai to harden their hearts to encounter Israel in battle that they might be put to the ban they might have received no mercy in order to destroy them as Adonai had commanded Moshe. At that time, Joshua went off and cut off the Anakim from the hill country, from Hebron, Debir, Anab, and from the entire hill country of Judah, and from the entire hill country of Israel. Joshua put a ban on them with their cities. None of the Anakim left in the land of Benai Israel, except some were left in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. So Joshua captured the whole country according to all that Adonai had spoken to Moshe, and Joshua gave a for an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. Then the land had rest from war. So having shared a little bit of Joshua's background in history, we clearly understand that competence rarely happens overnight. Even the great Joshua had to be prepared over decades to learn the skill sets necessary to handle this ginormous God-given task. He's a warrior. He's an international statesman. He's a leader of the nation of Israel. By the time Israel had conquered the promised land, all the tribes had received their land. Then Joshua had died. In that time, competence could have been his middle name. I mean, consider these things. God used Joshua over two generations. God trusted Joshua to lead the military campaigns from the wilderness into Canaan. God called Joshua to spy out the promised land. God allowed Joshua to accompany Moses up Mount Sinai. God replaced Moses with Joshua when it came time to lead the people into the promised land. Consider the time, the effort, and the love that both Adonai and Moshe invested in this young leader to make him competent. He was a warrior. Exodus 17, verses 9 through 11, Moshe said to Yehoshua, "'Choose men for us. Go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with God's staff in my hand.'" And Yehoshua did as Moshe had told him and fought with the Amalek. Then Moshe, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. When Moshe raised his hand, Israel prevailed, but when he let it down, Amalek prevailed. Joshua, he was born to be a warrior. His first opportunity at leadership came as an obedient military commander. We see this throughout scripture. David was also a warrior. And there's a connection here. We we see this uh, in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11. Cornelius, the Roman army officer, Uh, who God had on his mind. Military training is a fantastic but not required training ground for serving Adonai. Adonai was preparing and training Joshua for a much larger role, but this was the humble beginning here in his military instruction. Next, he was a spokesman. In Exodus 17, verses 13 through 14, thus Yehoshua defeated Amalek, putting their people to the sword. Adonai said to Moshe, write this in a book to be remembered and tell it to Yehoshua. I will completely blot out any memory of Amalek from under heaven. So Joshua receives a prophetic word from Adonai that would define his lifetime service and his ministry unto him. This illustrates how Adonai works in each and every one of us. First, we receive a personal word from the Lord. Then we become bearers of his word to others. We carry the message. And I have to tell you, this is exactly how I myself became involved in ministry and service to Adonai. I had a road to Damascus God encounter 23 years ago on a submarine in the middle of Atlantic and received a prophetic word and direction directly from Adonai that radically changed my life forever. Everything I've done in the last 23 years has been the result of that three-day encounter with God where he told me exactly what to do. Whenever God makes a calling upon your life. One doesn't sit back and say, I wonder if I should get into ministry. God will give you a specific prophetic word and guide you in exactly what you should be doing. Number three, next, Joshua was a servant leader like Yeshua. In Exodus 24, verse 13, Moshe got up, also Yehoshua, his assistant, and Moshe went up onto the mountain of God. Joshua was first known as Moses' assistant, his attendant, as it says in the Tree of life virgin or Moshe's aid. Joshua wasn't addressed as a servant of Adonai until the very end. In Joshua 24, verse 29, after this, Yehoshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Adonai, died. He was 110 years old. He proved his willingness to serve before asking anyone to serve under him. Each of us must undergo the same process as Yeshua did. In Matthew 20, verse 28, it says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. You know, I've had many, many, and I really mean a lot of people come to me over the years and, and ask me to be mentored or seeking leadership, but the reality is they were unwilling to serve. The, the reality of being a rabbi or a congregation leader is you're serving others. Even if you have a business, what are you doing? You're serving your clientele, you're serving others. Those who can't serve well won't be successful in what they do. And of all those that have come to me and, and decided not to be a person of service, not one of those has succeeded in ministry or a leadership role. Four, Joshua was a faithful, loyal coworker. In Exodus 24, verses 13 through 18, Moshe got up, also Yehoshua, his assistant, and Moshe went up onto the mountain of God. To the leaders, he says, stay here for us until we come back to you. See, Aaron and Hur are with you, Whoever has a problem should turn to them. Moshe went up onto the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of Adonai stayed on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called the Moshe out of the cloud. To the people of Israel, the glory of Adonai looked like a raging fire on top of the mountain. Moshe entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. He was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Moshe took Joshua with him to meet with God on Mount Sinai. But Adonai only called Moshe to enter into that glory cloud, leaving Joshua behind. Unlike Moshe, Joshua didn't experience and enter the glory cloud, hear the voice, or enter the presence of Adonai. Yet he remained faithful to the big picture of what Adonai was doing with Israel. He didn't become jealous. This is such a critical issue we have in the greater body of Messiah and the Messianic movement, even in Christendom, that leaders become jealous of other leaders' ministries. You can't compare yourself to another ministry, to another man or woman of God, because you're gifts and talents aren't the same as that person's gifts or talents. Some have one talent ministry, some have five talent ministries. Don't compare yourself and don't become jealous. You know, this is a point in time where after all this time, Joshua could have started getting a little rifled. Well, how come, you know, his own brother, Moshe's own brother and sister did this? Are you the only one God speaks to? We don't see that coming out of Joshua. So we see a very humble, loyal, Uh, intern, uh, an assistant that stuck with him no matter what the scenario was, no matter what was happening. He was a faithful servant to the very end. He didn't become jealous. Number five, next, he was an apprentice of Moses and God. Exodus 33, verse 11, Adonai would speak to Moshe face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Then he would return to the camp, but the young man who was his assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, never left the inside of the tent. I'm going to say this again. For forty years, Joshua was an intern under Moses and Adonai. That there's a desire today in this entitlement generation that uh, hey, you know, I went to a year of school, or I, I've been here for six months. I should be in charge now. It, it, it impossible. Competency takes time. Forty years for Joshua. His skill sets, his ability, and competence grew from Moses's tutoring and his own observations. He would not leave Moses' tent because he wanted to receive everything he could from his mentor. Number six, Joshua was zealous. Numbers 11, verses 27 through 29. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, the son of Nun, who from his youth up had been Moses' assistant, answered, My Lord, Moses, stop them. But Moshe replied, Are you so zealous to protect me? I wish all of Adonai's people were prophets. I wish Adonai would put his spirit on all of them. When Adonai's presence came down upon the camp and two men began to prophesy, Joshua grew concerned. He forbid them to continue. But Moses said to him, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. Zealous is a fervent partisanship for a person, a cause, or an ideal. Joshua's passion and his zeal later became an asset when it was combined with his experience. He had great zeal for God and the kingdom of God. Number seven, Joshua was a transformed leader. In Numbers 13, verse 16, these are the names of the men Moses sent out to reconnoitre the land. Moses gave to Hoshea the son of Nun, the name of Yehoshua, Joshua. Given names in the kingdom of God have more importance and significance than we could possibly imagine. A name is a word or combination of words by which a person, place, thing, or any object of thought can be identified, called, or known. This is something that is done with ancient paths. Your name given you by your parents is by many accounts a prophetic decree placed upon you by your parents. Your name may reveal a specific position, relationship, or function in your life. In the kingdom of God, your name in most cases reflects your character and traits to define you, who you are, and your nature. So when you when you come out and you end your ancient paths seminar... We have several Hebrew books that we look up your name, no matter the background, we look up that name, and it reflects often the character of that person. For instance, my first and second name, Eric Scott. Eric is ruler or king, and Scott means unifier. My Hebrew name is Elan or tree or a mighty oak tree. So that reflects some of the character uh, of who I am and what I'm doing today that my parents couldn't have dreamed of almost 60 years ago. Throughout Scripture, when a person has a God encounter and experiences a radical transformation, God himself or others like Moshe changed the person's name to reflect the radical transformation. The name change also reflects the attributes of the person and their divine destiny. We have several powerful examples recorded in Scripture. The first one is Avram. God appeared to Avram when he was 99 years old. After God had made a covenant with him in Genesis 15, God shares with him a life-changing revelation with specific instructions. Genesis 17, verses 1 through 5. When Avram was 99 years old, Adonai appeared to Avram and said to him, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Walk in my presence and be pure-hearted. I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will increase your numbers greatly. Avram fell on his face, and God continued speaking with him. As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Avram, which means exalted father, but your name will be Avraham, father of many, because I've made you the father of many nations. This is so profound that even Avraham's wife, Sari, has her name changed by God as well. In Genesis 17, starting in verse 15, God said to Avraham, as for Sari, your wife, you are not to call her Sari, uh, which is mockery, her name is to be Sarah, princess. I will bless her. Moreover, I will give you a son by her. Truly, I will bless her. She'll be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Through both these examples, we witness a profound physical and spiritual transformation in both these people. First, there is the physical miracle that these two ancient people will produce a son, Isaac, who will be the fulfillment of God's promise and covenant spiritually their consciousness were expanded to a place of profound understanding of exactly who and what God is and the extent of the blessing that they were receiving from him. You know, we have to pause and remember that they didn't have the background information of 4,000 years of recorded biblical history that we have access to today. Adonai's interaction with mankind is easier for us to comprehend because we have all these experiences, all these examples in scripture to study. Avraham and Sarah, were by all accounts pioneers, the first ones to become Jews, the first to hear God's plan of redemption and salvation for all humanity. This is mind-blowing, stretching them both to their limits. Adonai could only impart to them in small doses at a time, or they wouldn't be able to believe or even comprehend it. And then two generations later, Ya'akov, Jacob, who would experience a God-encounter himself, one that would become physical and leave him with a permanent limp for the rest of his life. Yachov's tenacity and zealousness to persevere until he received a blessing resulted in Yachov getting God's attention, who saw the change in Yachov's character and renamed him. In Genesis 35, starting at verse 10, God said to him, "'Your name is Yachov, but you will be called Yaakov supplanter, no more. Your name will be Israel.' Thus he named him Israel, Prince of God. God further said to him, "'I am El Shaddai, be fruitful and multiply.' A nation, indeed a group of nations, will come from you. Kings will be descended from you. Moreover, the land which I gave to Avraham and to yitzhak I will give to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. This name change was coupled with an affirmation of God's covenant promise. There's a powerful revelation here regarding identity. Our names are a prophetic decree, a proclamation of our character and destiny. Given names in the Bible mean something. They're of importance and not to be taken lightly. Moses gave the name Joshua, the Lord is salvation, to this young man formerly called Hosea. And with that name change came a transformation in identity and character. Joshua became a leader ready to serve, delegate, organize, command, and lead the fledgling nation of Israel into its divine destiny as Adonai decreed over Israel in Genesis 35. Joshua was competent. He got the job done. Are you competent? If not, why? What hinders competency? Lack of commitment, lack of planning, inability to listen, to adapt, to change, to hear, poor character, entitlement, even disloyalty. loyalty. Joshua, he was loyal. He was committed. He listened. He developed strong character traits in his 40 years under Moshe. Listen, don't be adequate don't settle for anything less. Be competent and get the job done. As I end today, I wish to quote from, of all people, Napoleon Bonaparte, who said, Mediocrity is never a desirable destination, at least not when practice might transform mediocrity to competence or even skill. Competence is something you can strive to do by repeated practice, by laying into the Word of God, by prayer, by fasting, by learning the skill sets necessary, you too can become a competent leader, just like Joshua. Mishpocha, May the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom.